Hey, what up, everybody? It's your host, Ryan Sketch, here at Sketchbook Audio. Hey, listen, I've uh, <laughs> been tinkering with this idea, and I finally just... I can't believe it took me this long to figure out that I could just do it this way and not have any issues with uh, doing video here for Sketchbook Video. Uh, I'm not going to call it that. We're going to keep it with Sketchbook Audio just because I don't want to get everything confused. I'm going to bounce back and forth between podcast and video. Um, today, I really wanted to do video because a good friend of mine, uh, shout out to you, Jay and Jamie, have asked me uh, to do a couple times now um, a more of a deep dive on the Dodge Charger SRT Banshee. And I think it's actually like Dodge Charger Daytona SRT Banshee. There's so many names in that thing. Um, so I really wanted to do that and I wanted to show you guys some pictures. And then while uh, we're going through some of that stuff, uh, well, actually, before we get into that stuff, I wanted to drop a couple little topics uh, that have popped up. There's not a lot going on in the auto industry. Um, there's, as far as like concepts go and new releases and new reveals, it's not really happening right now. It's a little slow, but it's probably because right now we are currently building up to the bigger portions of the auto show season. Normally, right around this time, we would have the Detroit Auto Show. It's not going to happen in the winter anymore that is going to happen in the summer and i believe this year it's either going to be in somewhere between july and september but uh my guess is it's somewhere um closer to august but uh so we're going to take a look at um whatever there is currently going on right now and um one of those things actually happens to do with shoes so stay tuned because we're going to have a good talk about this and then we're going to dive deep into the dodge whatever banshee so stay tuned All right, we are back. Thanks for sticking around. Uh, if you didn't catch the intro, basically we are going to talk about a couple little things that are happening because the auto show, I'm sorry, the uh, auto industry is kind of taking a little bit of a break right now. Not a whole lot going on. Um, but this, there are a lot of other little things that are happening outside of the auto world uh, that we could talk about. CES happened uh, a few weeks ago. So that was really big. There was a lot of news that came out of that. And um, the Chicago Auto Show is next, and I will be there. We will be going live, and uh, it's going to be a good time there. So if, you know, we're going to dive into it right now. Let's just screw it. We're just going to dive right in. As you can see currently on my desktop, there is this article about ASICs and their sneakers that are using recycled airbags and steering wheels. That's pretty cool. But the reason I wanted to bring this up was because... Uh, there are a lot of things that could happen in the automotive industry, um, but that don't. And that's more or less because automakers are focused on making cars. But it doesn't mean that uh, wasted material or like at a plant or at some of the tier one suppliers uh, or demolished cars, totaled cars, scrap cars, whatever, uh, that their parts have to die right then and there. They don't. A lot of that material can be reused, whether it's the upholstery on the seats, the carpet, um, any of the plastic could be melted down for the most part. It can be melted down and turned into fibers, whatever. There's there's a lot of things that could happen, but it's really cool to see that Asics is doing something, and it's a shoe company. It's a very popular, a little bit pricey, but um, very, uh, I think they, they're uh, podiatry, uh, orthopedic, whatever. They're really good for your feet and for your back. So um, they are using airbags, recycled airbags, so airbags that have deployed or airbags that were scrapped. 
and then they deploy them safely and then they take that material and they use them for shoes that's actually pretty genius because there's not much else you can do with airbag material that i know of um and you would just think that like okay the airbags deployed toss it right no um you could definitely use that material it's expensive material you could use it for something that needs that kind of support that kind of durability and uh, what better way to use it than in a shoe i'm excited to actually see if anybody else takes on this uh task and starts using materials like this for future things um if you're not aware of what happened for the past like 10 years there's this company called takata Takata made airbags for just about every automaker uh, imaginable. And unfortunately, they pretty much went bankrupt. And I'm, yeah, I think they are completely gone. Um, they uh, made a bunch of airbags that hurt a lot of people, killed killed some people even, actually. And it's, it's really terrible, but um, it makes you wonder, okay, well, could we do something with the rest of the materials that are in the defective airbags? Could we do something good? out of something that's pretty bad and i think the answer is yes yes there's plenty that can be done um i mean i don't know maybe could you make hoses for firefighting could you make um rope to save and rescue people could you make medical equipment out of some of the material i don't know but that's one cool thing about being a product designer an industrial designer an automotive designer you get to think about these things. You get to be really creative. I mean, you could easily take some of that material and turn it into backpacks and then, you know, donate them, give them to uh, uh, kids in Africa or, or wherever that need materials like that. You could probably use the material as like a canvas and sell it to artists that uh, can't afford to, you know, spend a ton of money on really good canvas. I, I, I don't know, it, the, the possibilities are endless and limitless. And it's really cool uh, to see a shoe company make use out of this. Now, they're not the first ones to take material from whether it's cars or just plastic waste or wherever and turn it into something um, like a shoe. In fact, let me actually show you this shoe because I love this one. Okay, so this is the, yeah, this is such a cool shoe. This is the Nike Space Hippie. And this is just one of them. I think they made like three or four different kind. And you can see in the soles of the shoe are all these specks of color. Now, I don't know how much of this is uh, 100 or is, uh, you know, recycled material, but there there's a ton. They're just little tiny fibers in, you know, not all plastic or rubbers can be broken down and used over again to make certain things. But sometimes you can like, for instance, they have like a filler. It's this grayish blue material, which could be um, recycled material. And then they have all this extra, uh, extra stuff, which is just a color accent. It's just a, a style, a design. And, um, you know, it's a little pop of color. And then it all just comes from fibers from clothes or other shoes that were broken down and, you know, are usable in some way, shape or form. So I, I really like what Nike did. And then the fibers uh, for the shoe itself, there's hundreds of different colors now most of it is i don't know dyed gray or somehow they managed to get it gray but there's little specks of color little um and you know none of these are the same not one of these matches another one they're close uh, but not no two are 100 percent alike and i i think that makes it a much more valuable item than shoes that are identical no matter you know how they're made or uh what 
what athlete wore them or whatever. So this is a shoe I'm probably not going to wear. I bought it because I wanted to be able to think about the possibilities for uh, the future of waste, really. And uh, this is a good reminder that we don't waste doesn't just have to end up in landfills. It doesn't have to end up in oceans. It can it can be a shoe and it could be really cool. And these were actually really comfortable too. I, I do like um, when I've walked around these in my house uh, a couple of times, I do like them. But then I have other shoes that, you know, it's almost 100% virgin material and I don't really see a difference. I don't see any reason that I should continue to buy shoes that are made from 100% virgin material or even like 15, 20, 30%. Give me a fully recycled product and you know, if it's put together well, it's it's probably going to last all the same. So anyways, uh, I really appreciate that uh, ASICS is doing this and I think it's a great step in the right direction and I hope other companies take notice and start doing similar things. Um, there's a lot of other products out there that are being made from recycled materials and Fisker is actually doing a phenomenal job of it. Not only are they making car parts out of recycled materials those recycled materials aren't coming out of trash cans they're coming from the ocean they're pulling you know nets in they're using recycled materials um that they find on the beach stuff that there is actually usable like a plastic bottle a coke bottle a water bottle whatever it may be and they're turning it into really nice materials for a car and their char cars really aren't that expensive the base price on a fisker ocean is thirty-seven thousand. that's pretty good and it's made here in america so the car actually qualifies for that $7,500 tax credit. Um, then you can get into the Fisker Extreme, which I think is like 60 some thousand. And yeah, that is more expensive, but given the amount of recycled content that's inside the vehicle, I think it makes a very strong case to buy that car as opposed to say, I don't know, the Mustang Mach-E or the Polestar uh, 1 or 2. Not that those cars don't use recycled materials, or that they uh, don't use synthetic materials for like their leather and whatnot. But um, I don't think they use as much as the Fisker. Now I could be wrong, but from what I understand, just reading the reports, they don't use as much. A lot of it is still virgin. And <clears throat> you know, you're still doing your part by uh, having an electric car versus a big V8 Mustang. But it will be really nice to see other automakers uh, following suit um, and making cool products and really good products out of recycled material, even maybe out of their own vehicles from the past. I keep saying this uh, to other designers, and I've actually said this in some meetings when I was working for General Motors. If General Motors really wanted to make a big impact, I think what they should do, instead of just making the Hummer EV, I think what they should do is buy back as many Hummers that are, you know, like the... Um, the H1 and then uh, the H2 and the H3, they should find as many that are completely garbage, disabled, or have like 200,000 miles on them, buy them all back, destroy them, and use a lot of the materials in the new Hummers. I think that would be a great idea. And Or if you want to keep them on the road, ha you know, like sell them at a decent price to a company that can retrofit them to be electric vehicles. Um, they are one of the biggest gas guzzlers and emitters of uh, uh, carbon dioxide. And I think uh, more could be done to <clears throat> be more responsible going forward. And 
you know, GM did do a good job of sourcing some recycled materials for certain things using synthetic leathers instead of cowhide, but we have tons of material that's just sitting in landfills or worse in, in oceans or maybe even in space. I don't know. There's probably a bunch of debris floating around in space. Let's do something with this waste and uh, make it new. It can be done. Just look at that shoe that I showed you. Look at what Asics is doing with airbags. Uh, you know, it, it's an exciting future endeavor, and I hope that a lot more companies take notice and uh, just jump in and, and join. All right, you know what? Like I said, there's not a lot of car stuff going on, so we're going to dive into that Dodge Charger and just... Uh, oh, you know what? Actually, there is one thing, um, because I thought this was awesome. Maserati finally gave us an interior view of their Gran Turismo, which, by the way... Uh, there is a ice powered one as well as a fully electric one. And wow. I mean, this car is just stunning. So you got the Modena, you've got the Gran Turismo Trofeo. Trofeo, I believe is their fastest one and the most powerful one. And then you have, there's another one and I cannot remember how to pronounce it, but, uh, it is their fully electric one. And, uh, here we go. Okay. So this is cabin shots of the uh in, of the trofeo and the modena uh, again it's a nice powered it's got a big engine in it um uh, but look at that interior it's arguably one of my favorite interiors just the gran turismo in general because it gives you that sort of dual cockpit without it looking too much like the mustang uh it's just it doesn't give the driver as much attention as I thought this car should, but maybe it didn't need to. I think maybe Maserati being as luxurious as it is, doesn't need to give the driver all the attention. The passenger is equally involved in the experience of, uh, of a Maserati drive. And this is a gorgeous interior. Now the tan and black, not my favorite, cause it's not like the, it's more of like a walnut color or an almond color. Not my favorite color combination, but the materials used in this car, these metals, these really well-crafted materials just looks amazing. One thing I noticed though, that I, I thought was interesting, and it's probably not a, uh, you know, it's, it's good and bad. Um, previous Maseratis actually used uh, some Chrysler 300 bits and pieces and window switches, the, the uh, Uconnect 4, a couple other little bits and pieces here and there, but like the, I think the e-brake lever, but when you look at this, if you look at these vents, they're really gorgeous. They're, uh, I like how it's this seamless line that goes across and you have these little dials that open and close the vents. But if you look at the Dodge Hornet and the Alfa Romeo Tonale uh, vents, and I, even I think the new Dodge Durango, they're very similar. Now, it's not a bad thing in the grand scheme of things because it's a good working, aesthetically pleasing uh you know, it feels naturally like metal. So it's a good look. But for a Maserati person who's just spent, I don't know, 150000 to 180000 maybe even 200000 on this car, they might not want to know that their products exist in a Tenale or a Dodge Dart or even a Dodge Durango. Who knows? I don't know. It wouldn't be a big deal to me. It works. It looks good. The materials are there. These seats are stunning just comfortable as hell i like this little uh stamp on the side because this is all leather um but it says since 1914 
um, gorgeous diamond stitching with and it's not just a diamond stitching that uh, is this whole way down it's a diamond stitching that changes in size like it starts off real small here then it gets bigger and bigger and then at the very bottom it gets massive and then it actually kind of fades uh, your seats are really uh, asymmetrical at the bottom but they're symmetrical with the other side you've got a lot of really nice touches here oh just the the stitching on this car alone make this thing you know worth every penny and uh, i'm excited to see one of these in person and hopefully i get to see this in chicago but you know chicago is going to happen uh i believe i'll be there the 9th or 10th or the 10th and 11th i don't remember when but um stay tuned for that because we're gonna have a lot of live footage we're gonna have some great photos that are gonna go up i'm gonna do a video and uh, it's going to be great. Okay, so if you want in the comments, um, I'll even post like a little question because uh, usually I'm able to post a um, sort of a little survey what you think about the Maserati Gran Turismo interior. Uh, what colors do you think would look really good on this car? Um, personally, I think like a tan tan, like that orangish tan would look great or black with a little bit of red or just all red seats. Uh, but not more like a Merlot or a Cabernet kind of red. I think that would look really nice. Or something maybe like an eggplant or even blue to really go with this and go with the fact that it's more eco-friendly if you get the electric one. Uh, or perhaps lime green, kind of like what Porsche does. Who knows? Um, lots of possibility. And I think overall Maserati nailed it with this design. It's elegant. It's sleek. It's sexy it's still that Gran Turismo Grand Touring GT kind of uh, profile and uh, I, I can't wait to drive one of these or even hear one okay let's get down to the nuts and bolts of everything so um, these are just comments in the comment section we're gonna start off with this and hopefully you get to see and hear some good stuff here but uh, a lot of people had a problem with the way the charger um, sounds. Hey. <laughs> that is sick. What? Right. Now you can hear that low rumbling like it's a car, you know, a nice powered, a V8 powered car that is, oh, there I am. <laughs> I can actually see me in this video that's funny um, so the guy who's filming this is actually from a company called uh, and they do wide body kits for a lot of Dodge products but oh, it's just a sexy car I really like this yeah I you know what and I agree with him I think at least from an aesthetic standpoint it is amazing it is a gorgeous brawny muscular true to Detroit muscle, true to Dodge, uh, kind of performance. And, you know, if you can get past the fact that it's electric and it doesn't have a V8 and it doesn't have a real exhaust, then it's the perfect car for any muscle car lover. It's just, you've got so many people who are anti-EV, this just doesn't help the situation at all. But maybe it does. Maybe eventually, at least with bodies that look like this, that are this big of like a, a classic throwback to, you know, first and foremost, it's a coupe. 
it's a very big coupe. Um, and it's got a hatch or a lift back anyways. So it's functional. It's got a big enough back seat for, you know, two more people, uh, maybe three more people. But in this case, it was actually two. It was uh, two um, bucket seats in the back and then two in the front. And they're almost all the same. I think very close to being the same. So that's nice. It gives you that very sporty feel. Uh, but I think it's gorgeous. I love it. Uh, and I don't know if this site tells you all the details, but basically you've got a 800 volt electric vehicle. It's all wheel drive. First thing for charger, first thing for any performance muscle car is that all wheel drive. Now Corvette does now have an all wheel drive. They just revealed it. It's the E-Ray. It is a hybrid though. It's not a hundred percent electric. Uh, so it still has a big V8 engine, but it also has a hybrid uh, powertrain. So it's got an electric motor. I don't know if it's two motors powering the uh, front wheels, but the V8 powers the rear wheels. Um, it's a lot of wizardry. There's, ugh, man, it's like 655 horsepower. It's a cool car. They didn't change too much about the car. There's some interior trim and color details that are different, but overall it's the same interior as just a straight up ice powered one. Um, but with this, you know, it's an all new car. This looks nothing like the current charger. This looks nothing like the current challenger with the exception of this big wide grill. But I think this is even wider. I mean, this goes edge to edge. You've got this gorgeous white light that just shines as almost like a big old fog light throughout the night. And then the headlights are tucked away. You've got this arrow wing is what they call it. Now, Dodge isn't the only one to do this. Polestar has done this. A couple other car companies have done this. Uh, Maserati is doing this where air flows through the grill and then goes up over the hood and then over the roof. That's there to keep air attached to the car to keep the car down and then uh, keep it going smoothly over the rest of the form of the car. Then you have air intakes here that go out the side. Um, it, there's just so much stuff going on in here, but let's talk about this. Um, well, first of all, let's talk about the push to pass and the transmission because both of these things are um, things that Dodge, uh, along with the Fratzonic chamber, which we'll get to that in a minute, but um, these are all things that Dodge patented. They own the rights to this stuff now. Uh, you know, I'm sure other companies will come up with their own versions of it, but. Dodge wanted you to feel like you weren't just driving an EV with one gear. They wanted you to feel like you had the ability to shift through real gears and feel like you're still driving that big Dodge Charger or Dodge Challenger with uh, like the eight-speed ZF. But in this case, you know, you get this erupt transmission and, uh, you know, it, you get that little bit of a jerk that a gear might actually give you, like actually shifting as a manual gear. Um, and then you get this push to pass, which... Basically, it gives you a little bit more electric charge, just jolted right to the wheels, and you just launch. And it's it's pushed to pass. You push it. Um, actually, I think what you do is you hold the paddle shifters together, and then you just floor it. And the car will accelerate way faster than it normally would if you didn't push those paddles together. Um, and then that R-wing was the front. It's this... Um, so it, it's kind of hard to see, but this piece on the hood is actually kind of floating in between the uh, the bumper panels. So this is like an H. If you imagine this being a big giant H, then this panel floats over it. So it almost makes like an A. 
I don't know why they called it the R-Wing, but whatever. Uh, it pulls air in and it goes up over the body, like I had mentioned. Um, it's just freaking insane. Okay, let's talk about the thing that's probably going to make or break um, people wanting to switch over from an, an all-gas-powered V8 to something that's all electric and you don't get a real exhaust there's no emissions there's no engine that's rumbling it is just electric motors that are moving seamlessly together and giving you all-wheel drive which is really freaking awesome for a charger or any muscle car for that matter uh and then you you get this thing called the fratsonic chamber now the fratsog is the logo it's the little like try and i don't know if there's um a way to show you what that frat sonic looks like uh let me let me just google it here uh dodge charger srt banshee so if you can see this logo okay here it is this diamond triangle logo whatever um it doesn't mean anything fratzog from what i've read uh, about the history of the of that word doesn't mean anything the designers came up with something really cool it's this triangle that's split it doesn't mean anything but from a historical standpoint for the those who know that charger that the 60s and 70s chargers and having that logo on the car for them it does mean a little bit of something it's history it's an homage back to that and uh, it's pretty cool so it's in the grill it's in the taillight um, and it's in some other little features on the inside of the car but uh, what they did here for this new charger is they used that term. Not only did they include the logo in a lot of places, but they included um, <clears throat> the name Fratzog into their exhaust. And in this case, it's called the Fratzonic Chamber Exhaust. And basically what it does is it produces a lot of sound. It sounds a little bit like the whine of a supercharger on a Hellcat. And um, it's, it's basically sucking in air and it's amplifying the sound of the electric motor electric motors do make noise it's just not very loud but if you could amplify that somehow and it you know maybe tweak it a little bit you can make it sound like a muscle car it's just not you know i don't know but 126 decibels is insane for an electric car and it's at the same level as a hellcat if not higher so you're still going to be able to get quite a bit of roar and rumble. It's just now, I guess it's coming from a speaker more so than it is coming from exhaust tips. Um, you know, I love it. I, it's wizardry and technology and engineering that I can get behind. I like it. And I'm all for going uh, EV or at least plug-in hybrid. But in this case, you know, it, how else are you going to get those people who are so obsessed with big V8 muscle cars and an actual exhaust to like this? It's a tough decision. No longer will you really be able to get under the hood of your car and tweak things with the exception of maybe the suspension. And that might even be tough too, depending on how they do the electric motors. Uh, you might have this full, you know, full encapsulated system where the motors are inside the shocks or inside the hut, you know, just whatever. And it, and it gets really difficult to modify that in any way. You're not just changing out struts or um, springs. You're changing out a whole assembly. Now, the best way to understand that is really to look at like the Hummer EV and its whole entire motor, not the battery. The battery sits in the middle um, underneath the uh, underneath the passengers, basically. It's a big, giant wafer 
plate thing, super heavy. But in the front and rear, you have two modules. Um, you have the front and you have the rear module. Each module has everything from the motor to the control arms, the sway bars, all that good stuff, the shocks, the springs, uh, the rotors, the calipers, and the wheels. It's all on one module. So the, all they do is install that module, which is already pre-assembled prior to making it to the assembly line, and just stick it on, they bolt it in, and, and that's that. You know, plug a few uh, wires in, and you know, that's the end of that. But so you're gonna be limited in how much modification you do. Surely you can modify the heck out of the exterior. Uh, you can put a spoiler on it, you can do a bunch of things, you put graphics, you can change out the wheels. Um, but they're limiting how much you can do to the engine by just getting these stage upgrades. And basically those are, we'll call them software updates. You can go to your dealership if it's a um, licensed uh, direct connection dealership. Not all FCA or Stellantis dealerships here in the United States are um, direct connection certified. Basically what that is is um, any of the cool performance parts that are going to come out for future uh, Chrysler Jeep Dodge products are um, the performance ones are going to be under this direct connection. And if you want to maintain your warranty and get it installed professionally, you will go to a Dodge dealership that uh, can do that. Otherwise, if you buy the parts and you take them home and you install them yourself, the warranty doesn't exist. It's gone. Um, so, you know, it's it's trying to bring people back into the body shop, into the showroom, into wherever to get all these things. And they want people to upgrade their cars. So they're trying to make it easier for you, really. But yeah, I guess it does take away some of the fun of getting to wrench on your car yourself. But gone are oil changes. Gone are some other fluid changes. You know, you're just not going to have to do it. All you're going to have to do is worry about the battery that you might have to replace later down the road if you keep the car longer than 10 years, which the warranty covers most electric cars for 10 years. So, you know, there's a lot of other things you can do with this car. Um, you're just not gonna have as much that you would do uh, on an ice-powered vehicle. You know, and then there's pros and cons to that. I like wrenching on my car just as much as the next guy, but you know, if I didn't have to, you know, it saves you. It saves you money. It saves you time. It, it, it saves my knuckles. I was just trying to take the strut bar off of my car the other day, and I damn near broke my knuckles because, like, I couldn't get the the nut undone, and it, my hand just crashed right into this piece of sheet metal, which, by the way, was bare and um, was kind of sharp. So I was lucky I hit it, like, right on the flat surface of it rather than, uh, if it was tilted down or if my knuckles went over it, I would have shaved off my entire fingers and knuckles. It would have been bad. So, you know, depending on how you want to look at it, there's pros and cons and, uh, I'm all for the pros. I think there's a lot to go with this and it could be a very, very fun car. Um, some other things to note, we won't look at this one. I'm going to show you this one. So Dodge show it off at CES, uh, a red one along with a video that showed, a bunch of other um, models they are going to have several versions so let me see if i can find the video um dun, dun, dun. is this the one it was november oh man where is it 
Okay, well, let's talk about the powertrain a little bit more if it's it's in there. I don't normally talk about powertrain here on Sketchbook Audio because it has really nothing to do with design. But, you know, it is something that's noteworthy for an EV because depending on uh, whether it's a plug-in hybrid or an ele a fully electric vehicle or a BEV, battery electric vehicle, um, you know, your placement of those motors, your placement of the batteries, uh a lot of things can change and allow you to enhance the interior of the car, but also enhance things like cargo capacity on the exterior, uh, like a frunk or a bigger trunk. In this case, you get a full fastback and you get uh, a liftback too. So anyways, they're talking about um, uh, power in the, in the uh, man, it looks like over 372 horsepower would be the start. So you get... Um, you start out at a 400 volt drivetrain and then you work your way up to the Banshees, 800 volts. Um, there's something in between and then you can go to the dealership uh, that has the direct connection and you can increase that even more. So it's it's right here. It says Daytona powertrains, second tier, are rumored to start in the 590s. Um, and you can do the stage upgrades and get between 630 and 670 horsepower. That's nuts. Um, and these are instantaneous numbers too, right? As soon as you put your foot to the pedal, I mean, you're just launched back in your seat and it just, it feels amazing. It's a rush. Uh, it can get away from you a little bit, but knowing that it's got all wheel drive really helps because it, it helps maintain the stability of the car rather than all of this just getting dropped down to the rear wheels. But uh, you can see this one's got new wheels. It's got a different paint color. Um, I believe the interior was tweaked a bit so it didn't look as conceptual as the initial black or dark gray one that um, I got to see at Speed Week. But um, where is... Uh, man, they showed off... There's like a video that shows... Um, so these were the two that they've shown so far. But there was a video that they showed at CES that talks about the... Oh, here it is. Um, the DCE stage kits uh, concepts and so you start out with now the cool thing is um, Dodge has typically shown off vehicles with a number on the side of the car whether it's uh, 3 or 440 um, 392 375 350 you know whatever that was the cubic inches of the engine now what they're doing is you're going to see that a similar number but that number is going to equiv um be the equivalent of or uh, it'll be relative to the voltage of the car so you're going to get everything from the base model at 340 and then a stage kit that's going to get you to 370 or 400 and then there's going to be a 440 which is um the 440 uh double barrel um I forget what it was called back then, but that is a iconic number, uh, the 440. Um, and then you'll get the 470 stage one and stage two 500 kit. And then you go to the Banshee, which is an 800 volt. And there could be a stage one and a stage two that jump that between 900 and even over a thousand horsepower. Insane. Just blows the socks off of the Mustang Mach-E and really any other electric car that's come out with the exception of um, it actually is a little bit over the pole, uh, the, um, the plaid, the Tesla model S plaid, but, um, lucid is up there in the 1000 plus horsepower. And, uh, I mean, Rimac, 
Navarra. I mean, there's a lot of potential to be had here. So, you know, we'll see what ends up actually happening. I don't see why Dodge would limit a lot of that, with the exception of maybe, um, I don't know, cost or the battery availability. I don't know. But, and then, you know, I don't know even know exactly how it's going to work. Or how do you go from 340 to 370 and 300, or, uh, and then 400? I don't know. Are they changing the battery? Are they just changing the way this software works? Are they changing, like, basically the ECU? Uh, I don't know. It doesn't say exactly how they do that. But um, what I do know is that it should be pretty easy to do. Your car wouldn't sit at a dealership for too long because um, I don't think they're swapping out a lot of parts. But one cool thing I really liked was this interior. Now, this is toned down quite a bit from the Banshee uh, that they showed at the um, at the Speed Week, which was very futuristic and had a ton of LEDs. This whole thing right here, this wing here, had a lot of LEDs in it, and it was very conceptual. But this feels very possible, and more so, it actually feels like the interior of a, uh, I think it was a Peugeot, which is under the Stellantis umbrella now. So there is room for some sharing now and i think that's why we're going to get something like this now one thing i really liked about this interior as opposed to like the new mustang is this actually feels more like a cockpit now i know ford said that it feels like a fighter jet cockpit in their new mustang i didn't get that when i sat in it it felt like a different mustang uh Previous Mustangs have had a dual cockpit with the center stack turned just a little bit towards the driver, but um, it always had that double hump. Corvettes have kind of had that too, but if you want a true driver-centric cockpit, you got to look at the new mid-engine Corvette. The C8 just feels like everything is geared towards the driver and nobody else. The passenger is almost secondary, uh, like a complete afterthought almost. Just They get a nice seat. Um, they get soft materials, but they don't get anything else. Everything is focused to, towards the driver. Now, in this case, everything does feel like it's very much <laughs> aimed right at the driver. Y you know, whether or not people really like these big giant screens that are tacked on, so far a lot of the uh, things that I've read is not just about the Charger, but a lot of other cars, is that this tablet kind of screen just being tacked on looks a little, well, tacky. It looks like an afterthought. It doesn't look as good as it being just stuck in the center of the dash. Kind of like, um, oh, where is it? Uh, the the trophy, um, not the trophy, the, uh, well, yeah, the trophy, but the Maserati Gran Turismo where the screen was actually inside the dash and there was stuff surrounding it and whatnot. But you know what? I like this. I think this looks good. I think this feels very driver-centric. And <clears throat> you get these cool badges. You get a lot of LED lighting uh, to illuminate this stuff. And um, there's a lot of stuff that's tied in from the exterior to the interior. Like, for instance, this these little slats are actually on the Fratsonic chamber, front and rear. So, um, uh, you know, it's for air to pass through and just be guided in a certain way. So... You get a lot of that stuff inside and out, and uh, that's a nice that's a nice added touch. I also like how this badge doesn't look like it's just slapped on. It's actually molded into this. Now, how they do that, I don't know, um, because if you don't have 
a direct connection right away, a stage one or two upgrade. You know, how does this get slapped in there? Does this whole piece pop out? Does this just, does just this, <laughs> I can't talk, does just this piece pop out? I don't know. But um, I, I'd imagine it's not too hard, but it doesn't look like an afterthought. afterthought. They could have taken this badge and just glued it on here, I guess, and it would have looked horrible, right? This looks very unified and very together. You get this uh, nice heads-up display here. The steering wheel is really badass. Everything here is turned towards the driver, and it feels like a futuristic version of the Challenger or the old-school Charger's interior. You just don't get the gauges that you know we used to have, but it's probably a better design overall than... Um, what some people have given us as far like the Ford Mustang Mach-E it's just a tiny little screen that sits on a flat ledge whereas this actually has a cowl going over it there's some design around it I don't know I like this layout uh, much better than um, what we've seen a lot of other automakers do and uh, you know it, it's a muscle car it should have enough throwbacks to old muscle cars to get people encouraged to switch from an ice to this make it as seamless as possible and there are some cars that have just missed that mark like the mustang mach e yeah it kind of has a dual cockpit look but it's very flat it's very stale the materials are great the sound bar is really cool it doesn't look bad whatsoever it's just i don't get mustang out of it i get maybe ford fusion or something else um but you know this is just a really cool design and I can't wait for this to actually hit production. Uh, I do, and I don't quote me, but I, I think from what I remember at speed week, um, or hearing in other places that yes, we are going to get a, an electric muscle car from Dodge, but we are also going to continue to get ice powered ones that are either more efficient or, uh, hybrid in some way, shape or form, which obviously would be more efficient, but I don't believe ice is gone completely. The Hemi, the bigger Hemis are gone. Those are dead. The Hellcat, the, the Demon, all those big engines are dead. But we're going to start to see the Hurricane Twin Turbo inline six in a lot of cars. And uh, hopefully right now, I think it's just the Wagoneer and the Grand Wagoneer that are getting that engine. But um, I thought I heard rumors or saw things on, on the news that, you know, don't quote me, but that some Dodge car is going to get uh, that powertrain as well. And then it was capable of being made into a hybrid powertrain anyway. So, you know, we shall see. But uh, tell me in the comments, guys, what do you think about this car? Is this the future? Is it a good future? Is it a bad future? You know, what could Dodge do to persuade you to switch from a big V8 to this? Uh, you know, you're never going to get an exhaust, but could they do something more with the exhaust? Personally, a lot of other electric cars have gone with these weird spacey themes and sounds. Ones that are even orchestrated by famous um, uh, producers, uh, music producers. And while that's cool and all, they don't sound like a car. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, I'm glad they don't sound like the Jetsons. But it could. It might as well, right? Uh, the Kona um, EV actually has a really cool sound. Um, but some other cars like the EV6 and a few other ones, uh, you're able to change the sound. And I think that's a really cool idea. But for Dodge, um, and even the new Fiat 500 uh, Abarth E, 
it's got a really solid sound for an electric car. I was really surprised how mean that thing sounds. And I'm going to be honest, I'll, I'll buy one in a heartbeat. As soon as that thing comes to the United States, sign me up. I will do it. Um, I don't need something this big, but I would love one. Uh, I just hope that it's affordable because right now that's probably the biggest thing killing anybody's possibilities of getting an EV is the cost. The sheer cost of it is insane. Um, but there is a reduced cost of ownership and that's pretty cool. You know, you don't have to worry about oil change. You still have to worry about tire rotations and putting in windshield wiper fluid like that. But um, transmission fluid, uh, you don't have to worry about. Brake fluid, you might not have to worry about as much or as quickly. Uh, because we're able to slow the car down just with one pedal driving there are a lot of other things that you know just kind of go out the window and that makes uh, spark plugs you don't have to replace spark plugs i don't think um you don't have to worry about maintenance on the transmission i don't know how many other things there are that are eliminated but the cost of ownership should go down for ev owners yes yeah, some evs are breaking down blah 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 everybody's got that problem gas-powered cars had that problem when they first came out so give it some time it's going to fix itself and you know but what would make you buy this car if you're hell-bent on owning a v8 or a v10 or a twin turbo 6 and that's it never going to anything else what would convince you that this is the right move aside from the government mandating it i don't know uh but for me i'm sold on it i'll buy the, i would buy one of these in a heartbeat if i had the money I wouldn't go for the big, expensive uh, Banshee, but the base model would be plenty fine. Because remember, that that voltage is pretty well uh, in line with the amount of horsepower, um, which is more than what uh, the Hemi is able to produce. So, you know, we'll see. But uh, anyways, okay, so that's it for today. I hope you guys enjoyed the video. Um, shout out to my designer friends over at FCA or Stellantis that have drawn some of these pictures in my in my office. Uh, I love their artwork. I love seeing what the, those guys do. I went to school with a lot of them and uh, I learned in, um, from a lot of them. So anyways, take the rest of this weekend to draw, sketch, do something, learn something new. Um, I'm still working on my environmental art. I'm gonna be doing a uh, demo um, on one tomorrow. And uh, yeah, keep sketching and of course, like I always say, be good to one another because life is just too short to be a mean person. Um, help somebody. Go find some way you can help, whether it's a family member, a parent, um, or a neighbor. And uh, let's let's just help improve this world. All right. Until next time, your host, Ryan Sketch, signing off. We will see you next time.